This is BT Techno, a regular podcast series for financial advisors wanting to remain at the forefront of strategy, regulatory and industry news. Today's podcast is about the technicalities of the retirement condition of release to access super. Hi, my name's Matt Manning, a technical consultant at BT. Upon a client satisfying the retirement condition of release, they may withdraw their super as a lump sum and or convert to a retirement phase income stream, most commonly an account-based pension. Also for clients who have a transition to retirement account-based pension, satisfying the retirement condition of release means that they can convert this pension to a retirement phase pension, which removes the 10% maximum restriction and subject to the transfer balance cap, benefit from the 0% tax on earnings environment. So for the purpose conditions of release, what constitutes retirement? This is the sort of matter that's quite subjective. Ultimately, it's self-assessed in the initial stages, and we don't have much guidance other than the CIS regulations, which don't specifically address many scenarios. So to paraphrase CIS regulation 6.01, subsection 7, a client satisfies a retirement condition of release upon meeting either of the two retirement limbs. For limb 1, there are four requirements. The client must have... Number one, attain their preservation age, currently age 55. And number two, have had a termination of gainful employment at any stage. And number three, not be gainfully employed for 10 or more hours a week. And number four, not intend to ever again become gainfully employed for 10 or more hours per week. For limb two, there is just one requirement, but it's far narrower than limb one. That is, to satisfy limb 2, the client must have terminated from a gainful employment arrangement since attaining age 60. That is, not just have attained age 60, but the termination event must have occurred on or after age 60. There's a few observations. The main distinction between limb 1 and limb 2 is that satisfying limb 1 means that all the preserved funds in super can become unrestricted non-preserved. However, if a client satisfied limb 2 but not limb 1, This means they satisfy the retirement condition of release, however only in relation to the amount of funds at the time of the termination event. Any earnings and contributions since the date of the termination event remain preserved. In the context of a gainful employment arrangement includes any genuine termination from an employed or self-employed job. It can be any type of termination including a resignation which is initiated by the employee or a termination initiated by the employer, such as a dismissal, sacked, fired, whatever term you want to use, or redundancy. When it comes to those who are self-employed, I think it's fair to say that it's often less clear than the employee situation. So when does a self-employed person terminate a gainful employment arrangement? I would say it's basically when they stop looking for and performing paid work, and certainly not after each individual piece of work or contract. If you'd like a visual aid aid rather for the two limbs of retirement, the team has produced a flowchart. If you'd like a copy, please email technical at btfinancialgroup.com and mention this podcast. Also, regardless of whether they satisfy the retirement definition, attaining age 65 is an automatic condition of release. Let's look at some short case studies. Case study one, client attained age 60 today, is looking for a new job having recently been made redundant from their previous employer. That is, this redundancy event occurred when they were age 59. This client does not satisfy the retirement condition of release as they cannot satisfy limb 1 given that they're seeking work and cannot satisfy limb 2 given the termination event occurred prior to age 60. 
In these scenarios, the tech team receives all sorts of comments about being unfair and questions along the lines of, well, what if they said they weren't seeking work, but they really are? Uh, how would they get caught, etc.? Um, nonetheless, a client declaring a condition of release is effectively putting their name and signature to a document, so would never encourage anyone to make a false declaration. Also, from an advice perspective, I'd point to Standard 1 of the Financial Planners and Advisors Code of Ethics regarding acting in accordance with all applicable laws and not trying to circumvent their intent. Case study 2. Client resigned from one employment position after attaining age 60. At this point in time, their super is valued at $500,000. They have since entered into a new full-time role and a few months later wish to commence an account-based pension when the value of their super is $550,000. This client does satisfy the retirement condition of release, however they can only commence a retirement phase pension with $500,000, not the full $550,000. The $50,000 of earnings and contributions since the termination after age 60 are preserved until they satisfy either limb 1 or satisfy limb 2 again, or attain age 65, whichever of these three happens first. I think this example shows that particularly where a client satisfied limb 2 and not limb 1, they should consider immediately commencing a retirement phase pension. All the future contributions will still be preserved, however at least all the future earnings in pension phase are unrestricted, and the client benefits from the 0% tax on earnings environment for a longer period. Case study 3. Client is age 60 and taking extended annual and long service leave. Once their leave is exhausted, they intend to resign. So in this example, whilst they're on paid leave, despite not showing up for work, the client is still gainfully employed because they continue to hold the position and receive regular salary from their employer. They only satisfy the condition of release when they actually resign. So I'd say the application of the retirement condition of release is pretty clear for these first three examples. Um, let's have a look at a few that are a bit more subjective. And it really is a matter of interpretation uh, in the absence of any formal guidance from the regulators. Case study four. A client age 60 works for a company that's taken over by another company. After the takeover, they'll still be employed by the new company, but in a different role. I think this would depend on the specific facts, but I'd say that usually such an event would not satisfy the retirement condition of release. I'd take a substance-based approach, so if the employee is still working, even in a different capacity, then I'd see this as no different to the common occurrence of an employee changing roles or being promoted, that is, this is not a termination event and therefore not a condition of release. Case study five, a client age 60 has been terminated from their job and is re-employed by the same employer. Again, this would depend on the specific facts, but I'd take a substance-based approach. Evidence of a genuine termination event would include the employer issuing a separation certificate and paying out the employee's unused leave. I would also see other relevant factors being whether the re-employment was already pre-agreed, and if so, this suggests this termination is not really genuine, and the timeframes involved. For example, I'd be sceptical about an employee terminating on a Friday and yet they're back working for the same employer on the Monday. Case study 6. Does a client who have attained their preservation age and in receipt of income protection payments satisfy the retirement condition of release? I think this one's really difficult and again aside from the CIS regulations which do not specifically address this case, then there's not really any material um, from a source of authority. I would say generally yes they do in most cases, but let's go back to the limbs. 
If the client receiving income protection has been terminated by their employer, and this occurs after their 60th birthday, or even to say they resign, to me it's clear that the retirement condition of release has been satisfied under the second limb. If the client receiving income protection hasn't been terminated from gainful employment arrangement, such as where their employer is keeping them on the books, and the insurer is paying the employee their income protection payments, this is far less clear. In the absence of a termination event since attaining age 60, we're relying on there being a previous termination event and the client never intending to again become gainfully employed for 10 or more hours a week. Ultimately, as this requirement is effectively the client's future intention, only the client themselves can really answer the question of whether or not they intend to return to that gainful employment for 10 or more hours a week. Um, if not, then I'd see this as satisfying the first limb of the retirement condition of release. As one last case study for those with high balances, case study seven. Upon attaining preservation age, a client commenced a transition to retirement pension. Upon resigning from their job after age 60, they wish to convert this transition to retirement pension with a current value of $2 million to a retirement phase pension. So let's say this client has not ever had a previous transfer balance cap event, so their personal transfer balance cap is $1.7 million. They shouldn't allow the full $2 million transition to retirement pension to convert to a retirement phase pension as this would exceed their transfer balance cap. So before doing so, they should roll the $300,000 of the transition retirement pension back to the accumulation phase. As balances change, administratively this is usually best performed by instructing the product provider or SMSF administrator to commence a retirement phase pension with exactly $1.7 million and roll over whatever remains for the accumulation phase. Remember, if you have any questions on these or advice strategies for your clients, you can call our BT Technical Services team on 1800 655 901 or email at technical at You can join us for a regular fortnightly BT webinar series where we discuss all things technical and regulatory in the financial advice space. Our next session is scheduled for midday on Wednesday the 20th of July where I'll be presenting on um, 2022-23 contribution strategies. To register for this session, or if you'd like to view any of our previous webinars which are available on demand, please head to www.bt.com.au slash professional and follow the links to the BT Academy webinar series. All our webinars also qualify for CPD points. Thank you and until next time, bye for now. BT Tech knows, and now you know. Join us next time to keep ahead of the curve for strategy, regulatory, and industry news. This podcast has been developed for financial advisor use only and provides general information only. It does not take into account any particular individual's objectives, financial situations, or needs.